Welcome back. It's the day after Thanksgiving here in America, and I have a four-day weekend. And one thing I've been doing is getting some reading done, because I'm an author. Website right here and in the description below if you should like to check out some of my books. So if you've watched this channel before, you know that as an author, I'm also a big reader. I read so much. I always have multiple books going on, usually at least one or two fiction uh, and then one or two non-fiction. I'll tell you what I'm reading right now, matter of fact. I'm reading Eugene Origin by Alexander Pushkin. I'm reading, uh, I'm just finishing, I'll be done probably by tomorrow, one of the old books of The Shadow. I just love these old books and I love The Shadow. And then I'm also reading a book about Charlie Watts, really dissecting his player and the Rolling Stones. Love the Rolling Stones. And this is a book written by the former drummer uh, for Gigi Allen. And then I'm also reading a book on Ramana Maharshi. And when I'm done with one of the fiction books, I'm then going to go into a mystery novel I have. Um, actually, the, the Shadow will be the first that gets finished. Um, Eugene's a long read. Uh, and when I'm done with one of the nonfiction books, the next one I have, and it's already on the coffee table, is a book on, oh my gosh, I just totally blanked, President Gerald Ford, written by Donald Rumsfeld, which I'm looking forward to reading. That's my current reading list, and it's always like that, always wide, and always in this is a religious book. There's always a religious book in there. I love reading. I think that there are things in books you can't get anywhere else. You can sit on Wikipedia, but there's still things that you're not going to get. Yes, maybe your Wikipedia page is 300 pages long, but you're still going to pick up a book to find out more or multiple books. And actually, this is why people hate me when I delve into political conversations, because I'll be like, well, you know, so-and-so said this. And they're like, well, give me your source. And I'm like, well, page um, something in this book. Oh, uh, and it freaks them out because they're expecting a Fox or a CNN link or something. I'm like, no, this isn't an article. This is a book I read. Actually, there's another book you should look at. And then I'll give another quote. And it just drives them bonkers, because you see, they haven't read the book. And they're not going to read the book. And their world is all just CNN or Fox News. And to read a book and to apply the ideas of a book today just drives people crazy. I know I'm probably well hated in some <laughs> conversive circles where it's almost like I'm trolling because you, you, can't, you can't respond to me. How are you going to really criticize a book written in 2001 and I'm taking it and applying it to current day values? Trump didn't read that book, so you can't say I'm a Trumpster and just duplicating what Trump says. He's probably never even heard of the book. So it freaks people out. That's what books can do. They give you power. And knowledge. And knowledge is power. <laughs> Anyways, today I'm going to share a book with you. And just to be fair, let me get rid of my website, because I want you to go to somebody else's website. I would like to recommend a book to you, which is one of the first Hindu books I ever owned. <clears throat> now that I think about it, it might be the first one I ever bought. 
No, number two. It's the second one. The first one was actually like a $2 donation I gave to some Hare Krishna in the LA airport and got this this nice little book. But this is the first one that I actually actively went out and bought pre-Amazon. So I actually had to physically buy it and I was so excited. And it is by a great author who I know in the day everybody knew, but today you may not know him. And I know I'm stretching this out, but you know why I'm here. Because we're here to discuss Proof of Vedic Culture's Global Existence by Stephen Knapp. To me, a book you should own if you like history. If you want to know about Vedic culture and how it influenced the world, this is one of the most amazing books you're going to read. By an author, Stephen Knapp, who has written so many books. Guys like Chesterton or Stephen King, he's got so many books out there on... Uh, uh, well, he I know he was a member of ISKCON. He's, I think he still is a member. Um, but just on everything you can name, he is a resource. I've actually had a couple of his books over the years, and I've given others away. This one I have kept. Um, in this modern world, I don't know how he's doing as an author. I assume he's still alive, actually. I, I don't know. Uh, I think today where we can get all of our information on Wikipedia. Why spend $14.95 on a book? And actually, that's an old price. <laughs> why, why read this? This is going to take me days and weeks and months. I don't have time for this. I do have time for a 15-minute YouTube video. So he might be struggling today, but you need to read, and he is a great source of information. So this particular book, not just because I, I own it and I like it and whatever, this book I recommend among others, as I said, because it's the one I've kept, and I've kept it because it is so informative on forgotten, unknown, and actually, honestly, controversial history, and I'll mention that later. This book talks about the influence of Vedic culture on the world as we know it. And it is so full of details. Um, he, I'm just going to go through the contents page. Um, he talks about, he opens the book talking about what is Vedic culture, also known as Aryan culture. And that is a word which today has a completely different definition or meaning or social meaning. Because when I say Aryan, you think Hitler because he wanted to purify the Aryan race. The irony is that his definition of Aryan is very small. It's only a specific type of white person from a particular place in the world. It's not all white people. I'm actually Aryan, matter of fact. My blood is Germanic and British, slightly Russian, and, and I'm from Northern Europe. That is Aryan. Southern Europe is not necessarily Aryan. Other white people are not necessarily Aryan. So that is the definition, and actually even that definition, people just think Aryan, Hitler, white people, but he had a very specific definition. But Aryan originally didn't mean white people, it actually meant Indian. The Aryans were the Indians. Vivekananda talks about this, matter of fact. If it's not up yet, it will be here on my channel. In a lecture that I read by Swami Vivekananda, on the Aryan race. It's not my race because I have no Indian DNA in me. African, yes. Anyways, he then talks about the Vedas and the sacred literature. Then he goes into um, ancient 
machines and discoveries of the Vedic world, and then the origins of Vedic society, which I've sort of just hinted here because the word Aryan kind of opens the door up to how societies have moved. Like, was there an Aryan invasion? The Indu Valley civilization was a part of the advanced Vedic culture. Um, he talks about the original Aryans. And then he goes into how the whole world was once Vedic. How the, as he says, the Vedic tradition is the parent of all humanity. How Sanskrit is the source language of all languages. How whatever we have now, sorry, whatever, whatever we see now, whatever we have now, is a remnant of Vedic culture. Vedic culture is gone but we have remnants of it. It is the original ancestor of all religions. Um, from here, he goes into links with Sanskrit words and English words. Um, and then he looks at different areas of the world and how there are things in the culture that are Vedic in nature or how they, the Vedic might have influenced in. So he starts with the influence of the Vedic culture on the Middle East and Africa. So the Persians, Afghanistan, Iraq and Iran, Israel, Arabia, Parsis, Egypt, Africa, the Hittites, the Sumerians, um, Kassites, how are they influenced by Vedic culture? And what are they doing today that is of Vedic culture that they don't even know? From here he goes into the connections between Vedic culture and Islam. You may have heard that the Kaaba is actually a Vedic shrine or a Hindu shrine that has been around for many ideas, as many years. If you go in there, you will actually see Vedic writing, not Islamic writing, and it was taken over. I've never been it. I won't be able to ever sit in it. People who are not Muslim, I don't believe, can go in. So this is just one of those things that has been perpetuated. Can we verify it? No, because we're not allowed in. But he talks about this. He talks about the history of Judaism and links between Vedic culture and Judaism. He then goes into Europe and Russia. What is the influence of Vedic culture on Britain? Stonehenge, the Druids, Ireland, France, Scandinavia, Germany, Lithuania, Central Europe, Spain, Italy, the Pope, Greece, and Russia. Then he talks about in a chapter on Christianity and the Vedic teachings within it. So, uh, as he says, Jesus taught bhakti yoga. <clears throat> and the Bible teaches us the chanting of God's name, which is what Iskon teaches. Then he goes into the Orient. Now, this is kind of an obvious one because of Buddhism comes directly out of Hinduism. Um, but he, he goes into all this stuff. And then, this is an interesting one, Vedic culture on the ancient Americans, on the Inca language, the links between that and the Vedic culture. And then he goes into some, the uncovering the truth about India's history to close the book. So like the plot, the cover over Vedic archaeology in India, the Taj Mahal, he talks about misidentified Muslim buildings that aren't really, um, he talks about different things, things that Hindus constructed and Muslims destroyed, and then an, a plan for the survival and revival of Vedic culture. And this is literally a, a book I, I read, I think I've actually read it more than once now that I, <laughs> I go back and look at things, 
or it's a book where I have referred to many times over the years because it is so um, fascinating and there's so much here but there is a problem with this book and I'm always honest on this channel as honest I can be he says things which are not necessarily verifiable and he treats theory as fact uh, and he draws conclusions maybe without evidence just because he wants there to be a conclusion so I'm just going to read something here about Reiki. Now, I have studied Reiki. Theoretically, I am like a third-level master, if you really want to go there. But I don't believe it's true, so I don't believe in anything. I just took it for the fun of it and to discover it. And supposedly, uh, I read in one website, this was just some New Age person, that Reiki is in all the Upanishads. It is, well, it's in the Upanishads and it's in the Vedas and you can read about Reiki. It doesn't mention a single Upanishad or a Vedic text or a quote or anything. I don't even think this person really knows what they are. I think this website I found and actually has never read a single Upanishad. They don't have a clue. They're just saying that. But I found another website from a Hindu group, an authoritarian Hindu group that actually said Reiki is not in any of the Upanishads, and not in the Vedas, because it's so special. It didn't deserve, it, it didn't deserve, not really in the right word, it was too special to be mentioned. So we can detail what God looks like down to his genitals in the Srimad Bhagavatam, but we can't talk about Reiki, shooting power out of our fingers. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. And, and which is true, you can't have one person say it's in every text, and then another person say it's not in any text. And then I saw another website that actually said it, Reiki is discussed by all the world religions, but it's not mentioned in any textbook on any of them, or any book on any of them, because it's so special. Really? I also have seen that the aura discussed in the same way, so essentially no one knows. Or it's actually not mentioned anywhere, but people want to connect it to history. They want to say that Reiki is Upanishadic, so it gives it some boost, but it's not. So we have Stephen Knapp come along, and he says that it, uh, Reiki is said to have come from Japan, it's a healing art, however, it has roots in Ayurveda and a long history in India. And then he goes, it was rediscovered by a person named whatever from Sanskrit Buddhist scriptures in the Japanese monasteries. That's it. That's all he says. He doesn't say that, well, technically a Buddhist scripture is not a Hindu scripture. There are many Buddhist scriptures which are brand new, which are modern, which are not Hindu in the least. That just because one's Buddhist doesn't make it Hindu. He doesn't actually talk about Ayurveda here. And it has a long history in India, but you don't mention anything. Instead, you talk about Japanese monasteries, which are obviously not in India. So, what he cited is propaganda with zero verification, zero details. Thus, can I honestly believe that it has a long history in India, uh, it was rediscovered. Well, why don't you just describe the history to us? Oh, at the end he does say, he describes what Ayurveda does and the life force and all this, and, and it looks like Ayurvedic teaching, so, you know, the fact that the the teacher of Reiki knew about Ayurveda is pure coincidence, but, and, and 
discovering and, and borrowing from. But then he goes, this knowledge was first explained in the Vedic literature of India and has only been recently rediscovered. Well, we have discovered the Vedic literature. There's people who've dissected that literature. Supposedly, Stephen Knapp has. So why didn't he discover it? But he then, which Vedic literature of India? The Puranas? The Upanishads? The Srimad Bhagavatam? The Kama Sutra? Which one? I've read many of them. I haven't found it referenced in any of them. So this is where Stephen falls apart. Dramatically falls apart. He wants Reiki to be Indian, therefore he follows the propaganda put out by the Reiki folks. Thus, it's explained in the Vedic literature, but you haven't named one Vedic literature, please. Name one. Also, you're in conflict with a uh, authoritative source that says it's not in any Vedic literature. So this is the problem with this book, and this is actually a problem I have with all of Stephen's books. They don't do their research and they have some problems. And I've literally just debunked my endorsement of him. I understand that. You, I literally built him up as this amazing guy who's discussed all this stuff and then literally knocked him down as a non-authoritative source. But I'm now going to rescue him and I'm hopefully going to keep your interest. Because I'll tell you what this book did for me. I read things like this. Oh gosh, this is great. Can I get into this? Wow. And then I wanted to know more. And I wanted to know, gosh, is this true? When I got this book, I was in college and I hadn't actually read the Bible. And uh, I, 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 I should say, actually, hadn't. I had not at all. I thought it was a myth, and I thought it was garbage. And because of this book, which I owned before, I read the Bible. I've read it multiple times, including the Apocrypha. Because I wanted to know more. So he inspired me to read this book, which you absolutely should read if you wish to know the history of the world. And then I start digging in more and more and more. He inspired me to learn. And even though, yeah, maybe some of his conclusions are not correct, that made me want to go out and, and dig and find out for myself. He inspired me. So for me, that kind of offsets where some of his information is questionable. Stephen does his research. I'm not questioning that he doesn't. And I know he, he knows a lot of his stuff, but I do think sometimes he wants a conclusion that's not there. And sometimes he brushes over things. He is, um, he, he is a good scholar and he's done a lot of, lot of great stuff. But when you're putting all these things together, sometimes there's going to be conflict. And I think he just glosses over the conflict just to make this point. So that's a problem with him. But if you want resources, he's a great starting place. Absolutely great starting place. And he's got so many books. He also has a whole series of books. And these are the ones I've actually had given away that are more devotional, like how to worship Christ. How, sorry, not Christ. Krishna. <laughs> how to um, live a, a Vedic life. How to do this. And I honestly believe that if we didn't have his books, these Wikipedia pages we have would look very different. I know, I haven't even been on them, but I guarantee if you start going on, you'll find his books referenced there. 
he laid the foundation. And even we've we might have discussed some things and changed some things and dug up some things since he published these books. He's like the uh, without him, we, we would just it would be a chasm we may not have yet to fill. So even for his faults, he is sort of like the the, the Freud. I think of of some modern scholarship when it comes to Hinduism. He, he, yes, we may have debunked some of Freud, but without Freud, where would we be? So without Stephen Knapp, where would we be? It's interesting to discuss a book like this that I've had in my possession for ugh, twenty plus twenty years. Yeah, twenty plus years now, and how much the world has changed since since I got this book. How much my life has changed. Which is the important things. Books like this, they will change your life. And that is why I want to endorse this book and other books. And check out his website. I will put a link down below. And uh, if you have books that you would like to recommend, good, bad, indifferent, please put them down below. You know every so often I do bring up another book that you should be reading. And so, yeah, this is the latest one. Okay. Before I knock him down a peg again, I'm just going to say, go out and buy this. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting him. Educate yourself. It's what I say all the time. All the time. Educate yourself. That is the most important thing you can do, I think, to grow your spirituality and to reach out for others. You can keep your mind constantly, constantly moving. So with that, I'll say all the best to you. Jai Shri Krishna.